Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with State Corporate Training. Thank you to Craig Hass and his team for their ongoing support of the Collisions YYC podcast. Leadership, a term that conjures up everything from images of the hard charging Hollywood portrayal to the introverted, quiet CEO who emerges from their office with a magical path forward for the organization. No matter what comes to mind for you, I guarantee it'll be different than it was pre pandemic. After the past 18 months, the demand on leaders at all levels of the organization has changed. No longer can you rely on technical expertise alone. People on your team need you to be more human, and more importantly, human in a way that matters to them. Through my interviews with the team at SAIT, I was introduced to a more balanced approach to leadership, one that was truly a game changer for me and my perspective around what it is to be a successful leader. They call it the six leadership intelligences. Adaptability, emotional, collaborative, social, psychological, and digital intelligences. At first blush, aside from a couple, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, what do these have to do with leadership? I'm here to tell you everything. We live in a world with a rapidly changing landscape that requires the need for human connection that has never been more important. How can you manage change if you are unable to create deep, safe, and meaningful connections with people around you? Simply put, you can't. Whether it's an entire organization, a division, a field office, or a small team, if you're not equipped with the intelligence you need, all the smarts in the world won't bring a group of people together to make the opportunities and challenges facing your organizations today. SAID is here to help you and your teams put together a package to put the skills in place for a safe, inclusive, and high-performing culture. To find out more about what they can do for you and your organization, please check them out at sate.ca slash corporate training, or better yet, open up your email and contact Craig Hess directly at craig.hess at sate.ca, that's H-E-S-S. He would love to chat with you and walk you through your needs and how they can put together a solution for you and your team. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Miss Heidi Brandley. How are you, Heidi? I'm great. How are you, Tyler? I am. I'm really good. Heidi and I have just been chit-chatting away. She is Director of Workforce Development at Manpower Alberta. And I'll do what I often like to do at these shows rather than do the uh, host-read intro and reading some long bio. We're in an elevator and I said, Heidi, nice to meet you. You work at Manpower. What's, Man- what's Manpower Alberta all about? Let's, let's, let's kick it off from there. Well, Manpower Alberta is, uh, is um, a locally owned and operated part of a global organization, um, and uh, we're experts in the world of work. Um, so we, we work with business, we work with our communities, we work with government, um, and uh, everything we do is aimed at helping our clients win in the world of work. I appreciate that. And it's so much on, on this show. It's a topic that doesn't, that comes up. We, we talk about where, where are we going to get the funding? And then for a next conversation is where we're going to do people. And then usually then where do we get the customers to whatever we're, venture we're trying to do on your website, I'm on your homepage right now. And Alberta's leading recruitment and staffing agency. And I'll be candid. And I was a little bit offline. I know of you guys and I've heard of you, but I didn't like when you say leading recruitment and staffing agency, just to give the audience a little bit of a context, in, in, in what way? In size, in scope, in your interaction with different stakeholders? Like, how does that come alive in, in terms of what you guys do every day? Mm-hmm. Well, Manpower has been around for 70 years, um, and we are a global uh, organization. We operate in more than 80 countries worldwide. Um, so we have a broad reach and, and a longstanding expertise um, in, in the global workforce. And here in Alberta, we've been operating as well for over 60 years, uh, locally owned and operated um, within the Manpower Group family. And uh, so we, we um, provide employment solutions across the province, all the way up to Fort McMurray. Um, and we have offices in, in all of the major cities in, in Alberta. So I would say that that positions us really well to, um, to be experts in the world of work here locally, as well as across the world. Yeah, fantastic. That's and yeah, I had no idea of the reach and the size and scope of you guys. So that's ooh, it's going to feed my questions today like crazy. So you've been with the organization for almost eleven years, based on my professional LinkedIn creeping here. Um, yeah. What have you seen change? Like you're you work in the workforce development side, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We unpack that, but just you know, you and I were talking offline of you know clearly the world is changing and around work and where you do it how you do it what values created the change and the adaptive adaptability that's required but when we just talk about this is a very calgary centric and alberta centric podcast what have you seen over the last like let's let's start as the 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 starting line being the change in the resource sector, which, you know, we had a horse in the race that we've relied on. And even if that horse went to the sidelines for a little bit, it came right back in. And we all know that that hasn't happened in the same way over the last six years. So in terms of your role, and as you've seen the world of work change in Alberta, what, like, how would you kind of unpack the last six, seven years, you know, and then we'll get into what's happened even in the last 18 months with COVID. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, absolutely. Uh, when I first started with Manpower 11 years ago, um, uh, close to 11 years ago, it was a very different landscape. Um, it was very much, um, uh, you know, a booming energy sector um, that was a large focus of our business here in Alberta. And and so over the years, I've seen that transition. I've seen the downturn. Um, we've seen, you know, um, everything shift. And like everything else that we're seeing around us, Manpower has also had to pivot um, and, and look differently at what's happening in the marketplace. Um, we've also um, uh, seen differences in terms of, you know, it's not rebounding the energy sector the way it has in the past. It's, it's changed. Um, the, the emergence of the digital transformation, I've seen that starting to have an impact and just the overall, um, skills requirements in the market have changed. Um, you know, what, what businesses are needing, um, it's very rapid change, uh, very fast pace. Um, you have to be very agile, um, in business, but also for for people looking for employment, we've seen they have to be um, able to present uh, flexibility, agility. Those are really the key words that I've seen really come to prominence over the last ten years. And um, and to today, I mean, since COVID, it's just ramped up. You know, even more so that we're seeing that push for um, how quickly can someone adapt and change and pivot and. Um, what are your skills today? They may not be the skills that are required a year from now. So you're, you're having to um, constantly look for, you know, and as, as a recruiter, you're constantly looking for the skills of tomorrow. Um, and uh, <laughs> what is that going to look like? But also understanding that, you know, my role focuses, especially around um, that piece and and what job seekers are needed and how to connect the um, the workforce that's here local um, to what businesses are needing today and going forward in the future. So there's been a lot of shift. Are you seeing a challenge? Like that sounds rife with challenge in the sense that I've talked to a lot of organizations and, you know, some maybe don't like to admit it on air, but they don't actually know what roles and skills they need in the future. So for your job, you know, and I definitely see that your stakeholder groups are clearly employees and employers. I guess, mm-hmm. what, what do you see? Like we can get into kind of some, what are the top trends around tech and fintech and just technology mm-hmm. in general, but more importantly, you said a lot of words in there, adaptability, flexibility, you, you didn't say, but uh, resilience, those yes. are not hard skills. Those aren't like credentials. Those aren't certifications, whether it's a micro credential, how are you seeing, like, are you guys helping set employees up to be more resilient? They just seems they can be so esoteric, but yet I hear them said so much. So I guess what role do you, do you see, or even your own personal point of view between where organizations are going when they're trying to figure out the future yet they're trying to hire individuals that not even are sure what technology Mm -hmm. or sorry, what they're going to have to do and how their current skills or their last 20 years of professional experience can translate in like who's helping train that. (laughs) And, And do you see that as one of the biggest gaps in terms of the, how to actually get the right people into the right roles? Yes, I would say that is one of one of the biggest gaps are those areas um, because you can you can focus on the hard skills and and teach people those skills, um, but the the agility and resiliency those are things that are a little bit more difficult to train. So it's a it's a mindset shift, and we do really focus on educating the public, um, you know, through attending events and participating in conversations. Um, right down to our training programs and, and working on actual, um, you know, content that's, that's intended to help people, um, recognize that mindset in themselves and how to articulate that. Because a lot of the time it's, it's individuals struggle with how to, how do you show an employer that you're agile? How do you show, um, a business that you're ready to take that next step and that you have, um, those soft skills? It's, it's a little harder to articulate that, on a resume or, or on your LinkedIn profile. So, so there's a lot of, um, you know, educating that, that we do and across our business. And we also educate employers about that. Um, our, our employer clients, you know, on the realities of the workforce going forward, um, to shift their mindset away from, you know, how they've thought in the past that you need to have every, um, box checked off when you're, when you're hiring a candidate to start thinking differently about how can this person transition? How, how do someone's transferable skills, um, you know, provide that foundation that is actually really needed, which are all the soft skills and the pieces that 
um, you, you can't just train, um, in, in the first week of onboarding, you know what I mean? It's, it's something that you need to, um, to tap into candidates more. So I think there's, there's definitely a re-educating that's happening across the board in the province, um, a shift away from, uh, how it was in the past, especially in the energy sector, where it was really focused on hard skills and, and, um, finding the, the perfect candidate to match the skills um, we're, we're needing to move into a space where we think about um, how is someone going to evolve and grow and adapt with your organization. Um, so that's kind of the shift in thinking. Interesting. And are you seeing, is that responsibility being, you know, I'm asking, I'm asking you a lot of very subjective questions. Is that, is that responsibility being embraced by both parties? Because it's fine as an employer to be like, yes, I have to pivot or yes, I have to adapt. And I've read the articles and I've watched the videos. I bet 20 years in this, I'm going to try to figure out how these skills parlay. Are organizations, in your perspective, willing to give employees a chance to prove that they actually can, quote unquote, be good at other things? Uh, yes, but I would say uh, in a lot of cases, no. There's still mm. very much a shift in mindset happening. Um, and, and you know, there are many businesses out there and, and job seekers out there who have embraced this concept and, and are... Um, very open to to thinking differently about that, especially some of the newer sectors. Um, I was going to ask if there's are, a difference between yeah. some of the more traditional Alberta-based mm -hmm. sectors to some of the emerging, you know, we can just talk about technology, which I know is a broad sweeping, but from what you're seeing, if you take technology, mm -hmm. what are the what are the different industries that you're seeing kind of percolate here? FinTech, biotech, put the word and then add tech at, at the back end. I know. <laughs> what, it seems like no matter where you turn, which ones are you seeing as far as, as far as trends? And I guess, is there any that stand out as, as, as industries that are willing to, bring on individuals that maybe have like experience, but not sector related experience, I guess, maybe is that a way to ask it? Yeah, I think we do see it across all industries, um, depending on, on how, how tight the, the market is on finding talent. The more scarce yeah. the talent is, the more open-minded, um, employers. <laughs> Funny are how that works, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, although we're seeing a little shift, um, in that as well, where with, with any work that can be done virtually since the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. some businesses are choosing to um, go that route if they can't find the talent locally that they're looking for. So, so there's a bit of a, um, a, a change happening there that we're seeing okay. where, where companies can source talent from outside the province. But, as, but we do find um, that across sectors, but especially in the more technology-related sectors and even construction, um, where there's kind of newer um, technology and, and skills that are needed, they recognize that the talent isn't there and they're going to okay. need to work with them more. Is that, are you seeing that trend where, you know, I, I heard you say like, well, if I can't find them here, I'm going to go look abroad. Are you also running the companies that are saying, hey, North America is now my recruiting base or globally, depending on the industry and the sector. Are you seeing also companies that, you know, there's doing it because you have to, and there's also going, hey, I can create a stronger value proposition for my customers based on my product or my services. If I go find the best talent, which now clearly might not be inside my borders. And, and does that matter? Or are we still, are you still seeing a trend? So like, let's see if we can find it locally first and then and only then will we expand or is that starting to blend together? It's blending together for sure. Okay. We're seeing, we're also seeing companies outside of the province um, hire a Calgary um, workforce to work out of Calgary on a virtual right. basis. So yeah, I need to so remember it goes see, both ways, yeah, right? <laughs> it does go both ways. So there actually are a lot of, um, of pros to the whole uh, virtual workspace. It opens a lot of doors for people and um and it opens a lot of opportunity for um, for growth in business. And but we are seeing more and more businesses opening locally um, <clears throat> in Calgary and across Alberta. And and I do see that um, you know as we match the skill, the upskilling of the candidate pool, um, that's just going to continue to grow and attract new business. This is such a, I don't want to use a cliche, but this is a bit of a best kept secret quality of life. Like this is a phenomenal place to live. And I've had a few people on the show that talked about even setting up tech teams that then report to us counterparts, but they're based mm -hmm. here because of, you know, also visa and, you know, immigration, uh, less issues sometimes with what the U S has been certainly under the last government where certain qualified individuals couldn't even get into the country to work, which gave us a real leg up for an opportunity there. So uh, there's yeah. so many different formulas of it. So 
as we move through this last six years, we come out of the pandemic, what are some of the trends or what are some, I guess, you know, when your phone rings and it's an employer or it's a, it's a, it's a group that you're involved in says, Hey, we need to develop more skills in this area. Kind of what are the, what are the things you're seeing or certainly like, what are the phone calls you're getting kind of on a daily basis and have they shifted in the last couple of months? Um, yeah, I think, I think that the skill shift that we're seeing is, is lending more towards the digital skills. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're sensing that, um, a lot of what businesses are asking for, uh, you know, in a candidate, um, can't be found. Um, so, so there's certain digital, you know, with the emergence of AI and machine learning and all these technologies, um, it's all so new that, uh, that it's, it's, it's pretty difficult to find someone who checks off all the boxes. And so, you know, we're looking at more of an approach of, of manufacturing talent. You know, we need okay. to work, um, with a business in, in how can we trans transition someone leveraging transferable skills, um, because they bring a lot of that, um, foundational knowledge and, and expertise. And, you know, Alberta is, is a wealth of, of, um, uh, technology focused talent who right. can be transitioned into these roles, but yes, they're not necessarily going to have all of those skills checked off, off of, a, a you know, on their resume. Exactly. So it's hard to have 10 so, years yeah. experience as something that's only been around for the last couple of years or certainly been like reaching mainstream in the last couple of years. I should say AI has been around since the fifties, but obviously clearly the last kind of five yes. years it's, it's hit its stride and the stars have more aligned as, and everything exactly. that falls, falls under that curious from an age perspective, if I'm 25 or I'm 45, and I've got 20 years experience under my belt, or I've got my, you know, like, I feel like to a certain degree, I'm almost at the same place. And I don't want to minimize anybody in that statement. I've got 20 years mm -hmm. experience, but I'm moving into a brand new sector. So if I go, how much do experience I have working with machine learning? Well, I've got six months and I've just graduated from a program that has educated me in that field. Like, has the age become less of a fact? And I guess I'm trying age and experience together. So maybe yeah. I should choose my words wisely before I use the word <laughs> age. Sorry, if someone who's got 20 years experience in an unrelated but te technical field, has it really changed from the, oh, I've been 20 years in, I know my path, I know where I go next? Mm -hmm. Or am I just as, is there's just as many unknowns for someone who's got 20 years of experience in a sector versus someone who's just starting? It feels like it's, it's kind of become similar in a way. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that it's it's definitely similar in a lot of ways because a lot of them um, are facing the same challenges where they'll see, you know, jobs that are requiring a minimum of five years experience in X and yeah. neither neither one has that. Um, and uh, but both demographics, I would say, face their own unique challenges in that the older um, demographic is is challenged in the sense that they bring a lot um of knowledge and they bring a lot of that, uh, soft skill component and, you know, how to work right. in a professional setting and, uh, demonstrated experience, um, you know, managing teams and, and things like that. Um, but they, they're challenged in trying to articulate that and how that can transfer. Um, whereas perhaps a younger demographic, um, they can be brought in a little bit more entry level. Um, and, mm, okay, and in right. some cases, you know, it may be that businesses are giving them a little bit more, you know, they can train them how they want them, um, kind of approach in terms of the culture of the organization. So, so sometimes the older demographic faces that challenge of, of employers thinking that they can't be trained or that they can't learn, but actually it's, it's not the case at all. Older, um, uh, you know, workers who are, you know, seasoned professionals um, are many of them are willing to take a significant um, uh, step back in order to restart a career. So, so yeah. the myth that they need to start at the same level they were at before is, is not the case, but they likely yeah. will move up much more quickly because they have that background. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of kind of, um, challenges that each demographic faces because of that lack of having the five years experience, um, in a specific skill set. I like what you said. I was, I was, my brain was circling around. I'm, I'm, I've got 20 years experience in something. I've also built a certain lifestyle that has been accustomed to a certain compensation mm -hmm. range. Like these are all factors that come into consideration where this is an entry level position, but yet I've built our life that requires 150 grand a year to support. And, you know, not to get it, I, I'm sure that comes up in the decision factor of like, well, but I like what you mm -hmm. said, there's an opportunity for them to move up faster because they understand the dynamics of working in a group, 
working in a large organization, you know, inspiring and leading teams, which, you know, experience does make a big difference in, in that area of how to, it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to get it done effectively with a group of people around you. <laughs> That's a whole different set of skills. Yes, no, it is. And so I think that the, the solution really is to, you know, diversity um, is always going to be best to hire all from the younger demographic is not going to give you that, that, um, that base of somebody who has that seasoned experience to bring to the table. And, and the same is true of if you're not hiring a younger demographic and moving more with the seasoned professionals, you're, you're missing out on that new perspective. So I think, you know, I would love to see businesses just really embracing the strengths that everyone brings to the table and the different perspectives and to be open-minded on the, the number of years experience someone has, because that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. Um, and in this marketplace, uh, you know, everyone is um, learning new skills and people are really focused on upskilling and reskilling. And so, uh, so my biggest, um, you know, uh, hope is that, is that everyone will see that as, you know, a step in the right direction and, and look at the transferability of each person that you're considering hiring because they do bring a lot more to the table than just, you know, that specific uh, technical skill that you need. Appreciate that. Is there any gap around the sense that like what you're talking about and which I agree with, it's hard to disagree with it. It's a very, it takes a lot of individual effort and focus to really look at that candidate as a whole individual. And, you know, heaven forbid that we're not doing that every time, but companies need 50 people. They have screening tools, they have keyword, mm -hmm. you know, um, tools back to AI and machine learning that are going to skim that resume, grab out the keywords, push those other resumes out. What I'm hearing you talk about that, and heaven forbid, this sounds a lot more human, that we have to sit down and actually look at this individual, understand what we need and all of their background and all that encompasses them. But yet we've, over the years, I think, and I've talked to recruiters, they're like, man, we've streamlined this so much that we're actually streamlining out some good candidates because we never even got to talk to them because the filter kicked their, kicked their resume down down the road. Like, how much of a mm -hmm. shift is that? And are you are, are organizations willing to do that extra work, to me, it sounds like extra effort to humanize the process, to really treat each person as an individual, he heaven forbid. <laughs> yes, no, I know. And I think that, that, you know, where we focus on, on that portion is, is first of all, you know, our recruiters are, um, are aware and understand, um, how to, um, you know, help our candidates articulate their skills. Um, and then with our workforce development programming, we educate the job seekers how to take ownership of their own career and um, and how to effectively communicate what they need to communicate to businesses, how to provide the, the solution that the business is looking for and position yourself as the solution. I think making it because, yeah, a, a business who's looking to fill roles, there are all these tools out there that will screen the candidates and and. Um, you know, that's usually based on exact matches to, to the job description. So it's up to candidates really, and the recruiters who are representing them to, um, to help them articulate that, um, and how they can position themselves as this is, this is the right person to solve your business problems. Um, and because ultimately that's what, you know, businesses are hiring for is, is to, to solve their problem. Um, they need a role who can, um, fill the gap in their business that they need. And I think that it's up to the candidates to market themselves effectively. And that's, that's a skill in itself. And that's something that we really focus on teaching is how to make yourself, um, indispensable to an employer. I really, I like what you said, like you're there to solve a problem. The companies are articulating the problems to the best of their ability, but there's new problems shining, you know, problem slash opportunities showing up every day, especially with digital transformation. We we know we have a problem and we're not even, you know, fall in love with the problem like those concepts. I still think that that's, that's a challenge for a lot of organizations as we think we know what we're trying to solve, but that could change back to the adapt, mm -hmm. adapt, adaptability and resilience. Talking mm -hmm. a little bit about, you know, job seekers, employers, but workforce development. I feel you kind of live in a space in, in, in between. So maybe mm -hmm. talk a little bit like, what are you working on right now? Like what, what, what gets you, what gets you excited every morning about workforce development and the programs that you've kind of got in the cooker? Oh yeah. Well, I, I love being in this space because this is all about our workforce development is all about being a part of where is the future going for our workforce here in Alberta. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about, we have an, a program called empower, uh, women in trades. 
I'm passionate about helping women enter into a field where they still only represent 4% of the total workforce is that, in the is trades. That, is that the number yeah. one? <laughs> That's the number. Okay, so you're saying we have some room to move. <laughs> There's some room to move there, and we we work with a lot of very supportive companies. Um, and so it's very exciting to be a part of, of that program and, and helping these women transition into that field. Um, and I'm also very heavily involved in, in technology-driven programs because uh, Manpower recognizes that, um, you know, the skill shift that ha- is happening, a lot of it is based on technology and digital transformation. So mm-hmm. we do have our tech careers um, program where we, we train individuals into software developer roles and we've partnered with SAIT. Um, and then we also have cybersecurity uh, training for immigrant professionals. And that program, we've partnered with an organization called Retrain Canada. And one that we have actually just launching this September, um, I'm really excited about. Uh, it's called FinTech Careers, and it's focused oh, on nice. FinTech, um, the FinTech industry, which is uh, just a super glamorous industry as I look into it. I'm just so excited about all the things that are happening in that space. And it's really happening and in Calgary as well as across There's the some world, very things happening locally yeah. around whether it's Neo Financial or, oh, yeah. uh, you know, there's some of the work that the credit unions are doing. I've had a few people on the show and mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it's like a lot of things that Alberta, if you don't, if you, if it's not on your radar, you don't, you literally don't know it exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I know, um, you know, one of the things that, that will get people thinking about it, you know, of course we talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and everybody go, Oh yeah, I know what that is. But there's so much more to the fintech um, sector. Um, but the big question is going to impact all industries is what if somebody comes up to your business and requests to, to do their payment in Bitcoin uh, or, or Dogecoin or, or some form of cryptocurrency? Is, is that business ready to process that transaction? And so that's a big part of what our fintech careers program is focused on is that entry level roles in the fintech sector you know, with that um, processing transactions, working in a customer service uh, facing role, dealing with investments and things like that um, for customers, because that's the one area where there's just so much growth that the, the blockchain and the, and the cryptocurrency is all there. Um, but now it's, it's coming to the forefront of, of businesses actually starting as to it, As it works its way into the mainstream. It. Like, exactly. Like said, it's, we've always yeah. heard about it at this high level and you've got the, the one friend who was into it and made mm-hmm. money and the other four friends that lost money. But what you're talking about is when it reaches the level of daily transactional, like how, yes. like the logistics of, of it, of what it, it still needs to operate. And I'm still need to pull out my phone and go, thank you for my coffee or yeah. my house or my car. Like let's, where can this go? Exactly. And, and there are jobs, there are lots of jobs um, in that realm and, and a lot of entry level roles. Um, so I'm really excited about this program because it is going to provide people with an entry into that uh, new, you know, new field. And I think it's just so exciting to be part of something that's so new and groundbreaking um, and making such a change in our local economy. So, so yeah, so I'm very excited to be launching that program and um yeah, really looking forward to seeing where that goes. And back to level of experience of individuals. Are you seeing all levels of experience attracted uh, attracted to that? Or like, am I am I graduating high school and going, I want to get into this? Or is it, I'm, you know, my career as a geologist has changed and I'm like, hey, I'm really interested in this. I love processing. I love data and I love getting into it. This is the perfect fit for me. I'm assuming like walking into a group setting or a class, whether virtual or, or it's probably a real mixed bag of people sitting around the room. <laughs> Yeah, most of our programs are a pretty mixed bag. Um, yep. it, this program is still so new that it's hard to say what exactly we'll be seeing. Um, we, we've already started seeing quite a few who have customer service or retail backgrounds or, or um, more entry level, but uh, okay. certainly we're seeing everything across the board. And with our various programs, we see people of all walks of life who are looking for a career change for whatever reason. And sometimes people think it's all energy workers that are looking for career transition, but that's not the case. There are many people who are, for whatever reason, um, <clears throat> are, are struggling with, you know, just the, the differences in, in skill requirements in the job market. Um, and so even though there may be lots of jobs out there, it, it's a matter of, you know, upskilling. It, it can sometimes just be a couple of things that they need to refresh um, and, and learn, and then they're, you know, ready to compete. I, I do appreciate also that we're, we're entering in a realm where 
I might not need to be a senior blockchain developer, but I need to have a letter, a level of literacy, like you said, and just understanding how the transaction works. And that, you know, I've had a few guests on that talked about, you know, robotics and the automation and everything that's happening. You know, you might want to be a chef, but you need to understand that somewhere on your line, there might be some form of automation that you need to understand how it works, but you don't need to be the engineer who built it. I thought that was a really interesting way to level of like, we just all need to really understand that this is surrounding our world and we can't plead ignorance. <laughs> it, it's no longer a valid strategy. Oh, I don't know about exactly. that. You know, I think how many times you get on a Zoom call in the last year and someone's like, oh, I'm terrible with technology. I'm like, unfortunately, you can't say that anymore. It's yeah, just you can't get a away with it. It's a limiting factor for you. <laughs> You have to do Figure it. Figure out how to and, turn and your mic on. It's okay. It on. You can do it. I believe I believe in you. <laughs> exactly. People have to take it on for themselves. Like you can't put all the onus on your employer to to provide that stuff for you. I mean, it's it's just part of our reality now that you need to um, keep on top of all the digital trends. And and exactly, I love that you said um, that you don't have to be a blockchain developer to uh, to recognize that blockchain is is huge, and we need mm-hmm. to just just at a very high level, understand what it is and how it works. And I actually have taken a course in it just to understand that from a non-technical perspective, what exactly is it and how does it work? And it was very helpful to just see it in action, see how it impacts, you know, something like the supply chain industry, where it's Mm -hmm. really makes such sense to me how blockchain is impacting supply chain and and just watching every, every piece of that transaction, transaction moving through a blockchain. And, um, I think it's that's part of digital literacy and part of the digital transformation going forward is that people need to just just look to understand what all these technologies are and how they work. You don't have to know how to be a programmer to be upskilling in technology. It's it's learning how to use some of these tools, how they work um, at a high level, just so that you can speak to it. And, and that's something we definitely focus on in all of our training programs. Really, what you I really appreciate what you said because what really we're talking about when you start rhyming off, you know, the acronym soup of all these emerging technologies, it, they're tools that are going to show up in every different, you know, fintech. It was the financial industry first, bolt tech on mm-hmm. <laughs> construction. I like what you said. I've had a few people on the construction space, and they're like, "Wow, we've done the same thing in the same way for X amount of years, but now all these same technologies are coming in." And whether it's blockchain to create a ledger to know how many supplies came and went on site to what project management tools your team is using to make sure that, you know, this team goes before that team and that pipe doesn't run into that wall when they build the building. And I find that so interesting in terms of like, what is old is is not, it's all going to be, it's all being revolutionized. We're just at kind of a different pace right now. And everyone I talk to is like, well, yeah, but Hey, let me talk about how this emerging technology is now affecting our mm-hmm. business. And that's also why I see a really interesting opportunity because you've got the experts in X industry that really know how things work. Then you've got the experts in the XYZ technology. Those two have to come together to really optimize the situation. Because if you don't know your workflows and don't know your processes, mm-hmm. but if I don't have literacy on how that technology could affect me, the conversation gets pretty quiet pretty quickly about, oh, geez, how could this help us run our business better or offer better service? So that's exciting. And it takes a yeah, you got to have kind of a, like a high level curiosity for just about everything these days, it feels like. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and and it, it can feel overwhelming and daunting, but, but you know, just take it one piece at a time and, and look at, um, you know, all the resources that are out there for, for upscaling. Um, the government has, has put a lot of funding into this, um, the government of Alberta. So even mm-hmm. looking at their website of what resources are available for job seekers and also for businesses. Um, so there, there are tools and resources out there. Everyone doesn't have to necessarily figure it out on their own. Um, I think networking and community is more important than ever just to talk to people, learn from them. Um, because, uh, you know, for a job seeker, you're going to seem very outdated if you go into a job interview and you, you don't understand how some of these technologies might be operating in their business. Um, so just at a high level, understanding how that might be impacting be, allows you to to position yourself as as a knowledgeable and um, you know problem solver um, that you understand how some of these technologies are leveraged to solve problems and to um, you know minimize expenses and things like that. But it creates jobs at the same time. So I think yeah, it's understanding and for businesses too. I think a lot of businesses have learned through the pandemic that you know whereas in the past they may have been able to get away without having a, a website or doing any online transactions. Um, quickly shifted. Oh, oh yes, that changed very. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that changed very quickly, and so e-commerce is another huge area that you know businesses are 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 having to adapt. And if they they can't, then they just won't survive. So it's mm. it's this is the the you know such an exciting time to be here um, because it is really 
such a, a significant transformation. But at the same time, it's kind of daunting for people to understand where do they fit into all that. So, yeah. so yeah, seek out others, um, talk to others. You know, this is where networking and collaborating and connecting with all the various groups that are out there um, to to inform yourself um, about what's coming and where you can fit within all of that is really important. And, and being curious enough to even spend some time finding what you're actually curious about because there's so many little rabbit holes you can go down and, but it all starts with, you know, maybe blockchain isn't your thing, but maybe something in machine learning is, or, or maybe mm-hmm. it's not, maybe it's the actual industry itself. And, you know, partnering with that technology, I always see technology yeah. as a partner these days. It's, it's there to amplify yeah. and improve and augment and elevate. Um, something you mentioned about your, in your tech careers. And I want to touch base on like, you know, we have, we have a finite population in Alberta and we've got lots of opportunities. This is a success question. I think we're moving yeah. forward to a place where more and more I hear and like, you know, 50% of employers are challenged in across Canada with finding the people they need, you know, is it not only skills, but do we have the right people? I notice you focus on immigrants in some of your programs. I also appreciate the need for net new migration of people coming in to take on these new roles. So when you look at the future, which a big part of your job is, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure you have a big crystal ball in the corner of your desk that has all the answers <laughs> of the manpower needs in Alberta. Uh, from a population, like, do we have enough people to fill these roles in the future? Like there's skills, but there's also just the sheer amount of volume of humans that are willing to take on these new skills. What what do you see as a deficit or a positive when you look at look in your crystal ball? Yeah, well, I think we've 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 all been aware for for a while that you know uh, the baby boomer generation is is gradually retiring and exiting the workforce. Although that happens in various different ways, um, but we know that the the skill gap is only going to widen as we as we see people leaving the workforce. So immigration is definitely going to continue to be a huge driver for talent. Um, in Alberta. And so, um, so I do think it's very important to recognize, um, you know, immigrant programming and things like that, that, that transition uh, those individuals successfully when they arrive so that they're, they're not disheartened at arrival and and leave. Um, We need those workers. We also need to um, upskill and re-educate our, our, um, you know, workforce that are not nearing retirement, but are, are experienced professionals, you know, your generation X, um, and, Mm -hmm. and many of the millennials, um, you know, they've got experience to draw from, but now they're in this, this shift or this pivot. We need to recognize that those can be transitioned and, and, uh, there's a lot of transferability into various sectors. And then we also do, um, you know, have a younger population we need to make sure are getting the right education um, to to meet the needs of, of tomorrow. And so I know our, our post-secondary educators and, and uh, you know, our partners, SAIT, and various other training providers are looking at ways that they can, you know, um, meet the demands of the work the workplace tomorrow with, with what training they're providing today. Um, but yeah, I do see that it's going to be a combined factor, but we need, we do need immigration to, um, to propel ourselves forward. Mm-hmm. And no, I've had a few guests on, I one guest on specifically, she talked about sometimes coming to Canada, there's a large, you're coming to the land of opportunity and you get here and it doesn't always look like that when you arrive. And you touched on that of, can we, can we allow these individuals to be exposed to things quickly and in a way that they go, Oh, okay, this is the path. Like there's a next step versus, you know, you show up and you're like, Oh, this was supposed to be awesome. This doesn't feel awesome right away, which mm-hmm. often things don't live up to their expectations. And, you know, she did have a very clear, like sometimes the story of coming to Canada is a bit oversold to into some of the places around the world. Mm-hmm. Do you find, are we, you know, and this is maybe, how can we do better at that? I won't ask if we're doing good or we're not doing well. Like, how can we do better at that? Is it just more outreach into these communities? Like, is that something that you guys focus on? Because I, I think that's everyone's job, like as a province and as, as a mm-hmm. series of employers, but it does feel like it's still potentially a gap in our province and probably beyond our province. Yeah, well, I do think, um, you know, we we take a lot of involvement in that. Manpower works very collaboratively with Immigrant Services Calgary. Um, we're involved in a number of groups um, related to um immigration and uh, and how to effectively onboard immigrants into our workforce locally. So I do, you know, we are very aware and involved in that space. Um, I think that it is very important for um, the business community to also be aware of what talent pool there is locally. Um, sometimes, you know, a new Canadian doesn't necessarily know where to find those opportunities. There are a lot of resources available for them, but 
but yeah, it's, it's about making those connections, providing mentorship, recognizing that there is a transition. Um, you know, they're, they're entering a new, you know, a new culture, a new environment. And so educating those immigrants in how to transition, but also for, um, the, the local, um, business community to be involved in that is very important. And I think too, that, that we can do better as far as setting the expectations when, you know, immigrants are, are, um, arriving, they, their expectations are likely that they're going to enter into the same level that they were at, um, when they, when they, to that same, same challenge. So, so there is also, you know, recognizing that they do need to start somewhere, um, and, and, and work, um, towards a goal because sometimes the local economy may have slight differences in what what they're looking for from Mm -hmm. from what they had in their home country and so like our our techers cybersecurity program we have individuals who have it and technology backgrounds from their home country and the the intent is that we know there's a huge demand in cybersecurity so by training them and upskilling them into specifically cybersecurity we're making them very employable to make that transition faster um, mm, because okay. the type of role they were doing in their home country may uh, your country of origin may not be as in demand here. Um, okay. So, so we don't want to set the expectation that they're going to transition exactly where they were at. Um, it's, it's about making a change, making a step in another direction, perhaps, um, you know, and, but helping them make those steps um, with support. They do need support because they're new um, and, uh, and, and not all just to a career, but to culture, exactly. to everything. And exactly. It's a, Their families, and as an employer, sitting really appreciating schools. that. Yeah, yeah. It's all very, um, new for them. So I, you know, I'm so excited to have this training program because we're seeing, we're making such a difference in their lives as they settle into their new, um, country mm-hmm. and, and getting into a profession that's just growing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a great way to just, you know, um, provide them that, that first step. Oh, I appreciate it. and really respecting that it's it's all new, not just maybe mm-hmm. a new career. It's everything and back to values and culture and all the things that allow us to the nuances. <laughs> the yes. first time you travel to a, <laughs> to a place in the world that is has a very different culture, you realize how much we take for granted when it comes to the nuance of human interaction. <laughs> first yeah. time I went to Southeast Asia, I literally was like personal space. Well, that's a th- that is a foreign concept. I'm like it's more interesting. Yeah. And then it, and then it unfolded <laughs> from there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why travel versus vacation. Yeah, one, one relaxes your mind one one throws it on its ear and opens it up hopefully but that's another that's yes. another broadcast for another day <laughs> yeah. curious your perspective on 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 roadblocks is there anything that you see that we could and this is not a pointing fingers but i like to have a real i like to have real conversations and yes we want to be positive and cheery about the future but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pose one maybe any roadblocks that come to mind for you one that's been brought up to me and i don't have enough information to know the truth of it or not but i had an individual on the show and he mentioned that you know the the post-secondaries are having to change like from taking three to four years to develop a course to having to develop in three to six months and mm-hmm. working more closely with organizations and organizations having to pivot to be accepting to like, well, maybe this person doesn't have the unicorn of checkboxes that we need for the perfect mm-hmm. candidate, but they have the skills and we can work with them. They made a comment that some of the professional associations that support our province and careers like engineering and a variety where they have long established, this is the level of experience you need to be here, that he was very quick to point fingers that some of those organizations are a bit slow to change and a bit quick to hold on to like, no, no, if you don't have this, you don't qualify to, to play in our space, which for good reasons, there's safety, there's a lot of things embraced mm-hmm. there. So I don't know, have you run into that at all? And is there any others like along those same lines that you've seen that, you know, if we could wave our magic wand and make it, you know, r- remove that <coughs> barrier that could help us on the path ahead? Yeah, that's definitely a challenging one. And, um, um, and I think again, it's, it's similar to the post-secondaries having to adapt, um, to, to being able to, uh, develop content quickly and, and, and move fast. Um, I think professional associations are, are also reviewing their, their practices and seeing if, you know, I think it's good for them to question, do certain restrictions need to be there? Why are they there? What was the purpose? Uh, does it serve a purpose any longer with the shortages that we have? Um, and for employers who require certain designations, is, is that because of safety, um, or because, or is it actually a requirement for that job instead of a nice to have? Cause sometimes in the past, you know, um, uh, an accountant might be, 
you know, they're asking for a CPA designation, but does that role actually require that? Um, so that, that can open doors to individuals who aren't quite there yet, especially newcomers, um, mm-hmm. Uh, who it, it, you know, they're having to reestablish all those designations and that can take years. Now I know that, you know, the medical profession is something that's outside my realm of expertise. Um, but I do know that the medical profession, obviously for good reason has, has a lot of, um, um, restrictions around that. But at the same time, I think even they need to, you know, question the level of, um, restriction that is there and, and is it really, required and how are they validating people's knowledge and skills in a true sense? Um, uh, you know, it, it's just something I think is important for everyone to start um, analyzing and, and because we're, we're working in a much faster uh, paced environment and we're working with more newcomers to fill those gaps. And if we have, you know, a doctor shortage, um, immigrants are really one of the ways we're going to fill those shortages. So how can we um, you know, safely and and reasonably, but also just keeping in mind what's really required. I really like what you said about, we're not saying that it wasn't valid at one point, but mm-hmm. is it still valid? And of course, there's lots mm-hmm. of things in place from a safety perspective and, you know, all, all the reasons why, mm-hmm. but does it still make sense? And there's oftentimes we hold on to things, well, that's just the way it always was. To me, that's often a reason to look at it <laughs> when that's <Yes>. the description. <laughs> well, I'm not sure, but we've always had it that way. Well, maybe we should review that one. And I like yes. you, know, you hear these, but exactly. you're in a time of abundance and you're, you know, I would say the power dynamic between the employee mm. and the employer is quite balanced. It goes through these weird phases and it's an employee market, employer market, you know, it's a renter's market, it's a homeowner's market. There's always yeah. these, but I feel that we're moving into an area where I think it's more of an employee's market. Mm-hmm. I don't even say employees, but it's a skills, but like, who can do what? And who, cause yeah. if we can't, we have this need to move our organization forward and we do, ultimately still comes down to humans, right? We still need people to help us bring things forward. And if we've got stuff in place, that's stopping us from doing that as organizations. And, and I get the bigger you are, the harder it is to pivot around these things. And we've got a lot of emerging companies, small companies that they're not hamstrung by those old structures the, the they're, they're there specifically to disrupt the narrative. And that creates a whole different thing going on. And I think yeah. I'm excited, Alberta, we've got this entrepreneurial, sometimes maverick, sometimes pioneering depends which like kind of word yeah. you want to use. <laughs> but you throw all of these together. There's, there's a startup somewhere who's willing to take a chance on somebody because they're taking a chance. I don't know. It just, it's different cultures at, at different different tiers yeah. of the journey that you're on, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And, and we're in a very, um, dynamic time. Like that's how mm-hmm. it feels. You can just feel it in the air. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see people shifting that mindset, but there still is the mindset of, well, we've always done that in the past and, and uh, that's hard. That's to a let tough go one. To, that's a tough one yeah. to kill. To be honest. It is, but I do think it is shifting and, um, and the businesses and individuals that are able to make those shifts are going to be more successful. Um, and well, and the argument is the businesses that don't, don't get to, to hang around anymore. You know, you look at the fortune 100 list or like some of the stats mm-hmm. around, you know, 50 years ago, a company would be on there for 50 years. Now the average company doesn't last 15 years. Like the pace of change. And none of those companies went out of business because probably they wanted to, if you know what I mean, yes. <laughs> it was probably yeah. happened to them <laughs> because someone else, the market, the customers, you know, your industry d- decided because mm-hmm. you, you didn't you maybe held on to the past and didn't embrace it. Yeah, there's a, there's a million reasons, but I do appreciate so much of what we talked about today still comes back to cultural nuance, human interaction, like the willingness to change, the willingness to give up old ways of doing things. And it's really easy to talk about in a podcast. It's hard to do when the rubber meets the road on a Tuesday morning in the boardroom, wherever that boardroom may, may sit yeah, <laughs> or, or no, Zoom definitely. boardroom, whatever, virtual boardroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're definitely at the forefront of that. I mean, in our industry, we have to be, um, and, and being aware of what's next, what's coming. Um, you know, we, we've survived 70 years because we've been able to evolve and change. And I think that, that now, um, in this, you know, rapid paced, um, uh, transformation that we're going through, we, we more than ever need to keep our, our, our eyes on the road ahead and, and make sure that we're able to, to change gears as needed. So, that's something that is is really exciting as well to be a part of. And yes, to, you, yeah. you could choose to be overwhelmed by it very easily. Yeah. <laughs> something you and I chatted about this offline and at the risk of having yeah. the, pre, the pre-chat. Is what we're experiencing in Alberta unique in any way? Or, you know, obviously you're an organization with a global preview. Like we all mm-hmm. sometimes think that the, the, our problems are only our problems and no one else has them. I don't think that's the case, but with your counterparts around the world, is this just the way things are globally with different nuance, of, of course, but I, yeah. I don't feel our, our situation in Alberta is, is unique. 
Yeah, I would say it's not unique. And, uh, you know, when, when we come out with our um, quarterly um, Manpower Employment Outlook Survey, it's a global report that comes out every quarter. And when we look at the results of that, it's 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 global. Everyone is experiencing it in different ways, um, but we're all experiencing it together. Alberta is certainly not unique. We have some unique nuances, absolutely, like you said, and, and we've been so heavily reliant on one sector for so long that that puts us in a bit of a, a challenging position. But I think we're, we're very much, um, uh, you know, evolving with the times. And I think Alberta is well positioned um, to, to um, diversify as we are. And, you know, we're seeing that now we're starting to see all the new companies and technology firms and, and um, the diversification of the economy in Alberta is really happening. And I think that that's what the world is looking at as well is, um, you know, you can't, you can't always rely on how things have worked in the past and the, the whole world is on that stage. So. I've heard some people say, actually, the groups that have moved here specifically, they're like, well, when you look at Canada, you look at Alberta, you look where it was, you look at the last six years, where do you think the next big thing's going to happen? It's going to be here. And I was like, I really like that filter. Because, you know, if you're an organization (laughs) and you've got funds and you want to set up shop somewhere, you can literally go anywhere. And some of them that have come here said, well, we analyzed and we identified that, well, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe not five years from now, maybe somewhere in between, that this next big opportunity is going to be here because we're the most ripe for it. I choose to buy into yeah. that theory. I really like it. It fits I my narrative too, really, yes. really well, absolutely. <laughs> like, I think we are ripe reason. for it. I think we are ripe yes. for it. Yeah, and and we do have that entrepreneurial mindset that is needed. Um, so the ability to change quickly, I think, is, is just in our culture. And um, so I do think we're very well positioned. Um, and it's and it's great that we happen to live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. That and doesn't hurt. Want it doesn't, to live here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the quality so. of life. And I have an office in another major city in Canada. And I spent some time there, and someone was like, "Are you gonna Are you gonna move there?" And I was like, "No chance." Like I, I'll be honest. I love <laughs> Toronto, but I like coming home on a Friday and coming back to my just. This is just the quality of life in the city is fantastic. And I love Toronto and I grew up in Montreal and I, I love yeah. all, I love all of Canada because they're all unique, but man, when the, the quality of life that we offer in this province and specifically in this city, you know, speaking mm-hmm. about Calgary, it is top notch. Like I think there's yeah. some stats somewhere that say it actually is really high on the list, but personally it is a fantastic place. And people, I think under really, like a lot of times you underestimate it until you experience it. People come to visit. Yeah. And they're like, I had no idea. And then next thing they're moving their family. And you know, I've had, yeah. I had, um, someone come on from uh, that was used to run travel Alberta. And he said, statistically they found that a lot of people that moved here had come here on some type of a business trip or it's come here on for some type of a meeting and went, wait a second. And then in the next couple of years, move their families here. So there's so many factors to, you know, getting us exposed to the world. And I, I, I really love the narrative of, you know, where's the next thing going to big going to happen in Canada. Might as well be here. That works for me. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think it is. Heidi, I really enjoyed your insights. Your clearly the passion for the role that you're in, and and also the the work you're doing in our province because it's people like you and organizations like Manpower that are setting that stage and that human capital and the reliance on you know if you don't have the right people, you're not going to get where you want to go. And you guys are directly supporting that. So thank you for the work work you do, and thanks for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you so much, Tyler. I've really enjoyed it as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll blatant plug at the end. Well, obviously manpower, just Google it. It comes up, but you mentioned that report you send out quarterly. How could somebody get, is that something that's I'm assuming distributed? Like if I wanted to put my name on a mailing list, where would I go find that to get that report? Cause I'm actually curious about that myself. Yeah. You can always find it on our manpower website. Um, so manpowerab.com and, um, and we'll be having our next quarterly report um, coming out shortly for this, this quarter. Excellent. So definitely check it out. Behooves us all as, you know, as, as mm-hmm. leaders or managers to, you know, you never, never like we have before. You can't just keep your head down anymore. You've got to have a one eye on the, you got to have a one eye on the road ahead and all one eye on the horizon, as they say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So look for the MEOS, M-E-O-S, Manpower Employment Outlook Survey, and that's where you'll find it on our website. Excellent. I am going to sign up for it right now. Thank you, Heidi. Have a wonderful day and thank you for a great chat. Thank you so much, Tyler. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye. 